We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory Live Edition presented by Emprise Bank. Emprise was recently named the best small business or best small bank in Kansas by Newsweek. Remember, it's not about the size of the dog in the fight, unless, of course, you're Orlando Brown. Emprise Bank member FDIC are partners in Possible. And uh, yeah, there's a lot possible for this football team right now. The Kansas City Chiefs sitting atop the AFC, not just the AFC West with their shirt and their hat game yesterday, but the AFC. And here to help me talk about that team are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane. Hello, my friend. What is good with you, friend uh, and, and member of the fan base of the AFC West Champions? Okay. Um, <laughs> everything is good. I, I, the intro, you know, we, it went somewhere. However, however, I do want to ask you guys, your guys' opinion. How do we feel about the Chiefs' AFC West gear this year? Rated on a scale from 1 to 15. Oh, um, listen. Anytime the Chiefs get any sort of championship gear, it's a 15. I don't, I don't care what it looks like. Okay, it's can't a chance give me a real on answer? It. It's I I think this is some of the best stuff we've seen to this point. Personally, I give it a strong. I don't. I'm going to give it a Byron Pringle. I'm going to give it a 13 okay. because I really like the cle- the cleanliness of of the of the attire. Personally, Tucker and I were talking before we started, and we were kind of on the same page. Um, we really like the just the AFC West champions one that looks really nice and really clean. The running the West one, you know, we run the West or uh, eh, they've done that been there done that you can't keep reusing it you got to come up with something new so that's where i have to dock a lot of points like we're giving this a solid uh <laughs> we're giving this like a solid 11 on a scale of 15 like i think it could be better so like next year when they win the west again i, I expect better i don't want another running the west shirt let's get something new in there you know chiefs wardrobe design team <laughs> craig how are wow. you wow Wow, strong takes. I'm doing great. I am now looking at the AFC West Champions gear for the first time. I've been very busy. So I, I did not expect that. Yeah, solid 11. I'll give it a solid 11. It, it's all right. Yeah, it's exactly. going to be better when it says Super Bowl on it, obviously. That's a, that's a 15. But anyway, yeah, it's been it's, a good day. Yeah, got to meet hear- up with a member of the KCSN community today for lunch and some beverages. 
So it's always a good time when we get to hang out with some of the KCSN folks out there. So it's a good time, and I'm ready to talk Chiefs with my two pals here. Real quick, it is not the Chiefs' fault. Or maybe it's not the NFL's fault that the Chiefs continue to just win the AFC. Because I'm sure the Chargers would absolutely gobble up a Chiefs run the <laughs> West t-shirt. The problem is the Chiefs just keep winning this division. They've won it six straight years. I did I did some research today. Craig, okay, so the if you have to go all the way back to 1971 to find the sixth most recent AFC West championship for the Chiefs before this six game, uh, for the, the six season streak that we're experiencing right now. So they they won six straight here. The sixth most recent before this stretch was December 12th of 1971 was the last time they clinched this. Craig was 12 when that happened. I mean, just astounding. I got younger? Statistic. <laughs> Yeah, I guess, you know, it's kind of just, it kind of goes all over the it place. It fluctuates, whatever your joke lands. Yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you know, like there's sometimes you're like a Civil War veteran. Uh, yeah, and, I'm you aware. Know, yeah, <laughs> and you feel like it some days too, am I right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's, it's just a remarkable feat, what we've seen. And I don't know, we, we, we really shouldn't take this for granted. If you think about the context in the in the history of this organization, you look back and I mean, that's how far back the sixth most recent title was before this just remarkable stretch that has spanned two quarterbacks, one that brought them to relevancy and then one that made them the best team in the juggernaut. <laughs> and I think mm -hmm. I kind of want to start there. Uh, I want to start with Patrick LeVon Mahomes because um, I, it, it's, it's just, it's been interesting, you know, this, this season it's been, you know, there's been some, there's been some adversity that we've seen him have to push through some learning curve that really hasn't been there. I mean, the, the man has just figured things out so seamlessly, so effortlessly been able to mask, you know, times where, you know, maybe he got got from time to time. He's been able to fight some of the urgencies that he might feel with, with regards, you know, like some, you know, some, you know, some impatience and stuff like that. But this, this year it kind of felt like, you know, there's been some moments, there's some more low points than we're accustomed to seeing, but it feels like that's all in the rear view mirror, Maddie. We can hope so. It's the last, you know, five quarters because he didn't really play much the fourth quarter in this game. I mean, you know, the last game plus the quarter against the Chargers have been excellent. And a lot of what you're seeing has been more vintage Patrick Mahomes. It's been a lot more. There's been a lot of creativity. There's been a lot of plays coming outside of structure, a lot of wild throws that are just going to be all over ESPN over and over and over again. But then when you go back and watch it, especially this game, you know, from start to finish, this game against Steelers was kind of boring. Like everyone's going to point to the Byron Pringle touchdown. They're going to point to some of those throws that Josh Gordon just couldn't quite bring in. Mm. But for the most part, it was a kind of boring performance because so many things were happening on time. He was in command of the offense. He was getting the ball out to the flat to the running backs when his first, second read, wherever he was trying to go, was taken away. When he had, There was a couple times where he had to work from one side of the field back to the other, but he did so so quickly and calmly and then found a guy that was open on the backside of the progression. And it just looked so nonchalant that it was almost a to watch and it doesn't help that you know some of those super crazy throws weren't brought in so like therefore you can't put them necessarily on the highlight reel even though you know they hit a receiver in the hands they're still there but it's just 
most of the plays. This wasn't like the the Chargers. The ending of that Chargers game, it was out of structure, out of structure, crazy play. Him scrambling around and slinging the ball, which is great. Like we needed that. He needed that. I think every Chiefs fan sighed in relief when they saw that and it was working because we had not seen that in a sustained period at all this year that he has not done that for that many throws at any point in time this year. And then to follow that up with a game that was so much in rhythm, so much of just playing on time without your game-breaking kind of guy in Travis Kelsey, I don't know I don't know if Tyreek Hill was just being rested because he was being double-teamed and they just weren't using him much, or if he wasn't feeling 100% coming off of the COVID list or whatever because he did not get much run from the Chiefs offense were trying to do. So Patrick Mahomes did that without his two best weapons. Without his, the two best guys. His two targets, two catches, both came in the opening drive of that game. Yeah. That was yeah. it after that. He did not have Steelers, a target the rest of the game. The Steelers took him away, so like credit them for that. They were trying to, but I also don't know if he was at 100%. So just seeing him play that way without the two guys that he has the most trust in, without having the two guys that he relies upon, it's just it's great. That's great to see from a Chiefs fan perspective. And like at this point in time, as much as the Chiefs defense – you know, should be the story up until this point. I think it's time. It, it, you almost have to pass it over to Patrick Mahomes now, Craig. Like you, you are almost out of the limelight. Listen, the defense is great. The defense is outstanding. But pa- when Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, nothing is stealing the thunder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, uh, you can't you can't beat it when Patrick Mahomes is playing like that. And and you're spot on. You got to see the out of structure stuff that was great. You get to see the in-structure stuff that's that should terrify absolutely every defensive coordinator in the league. Like watching him sit back and operate in the pocket, getting through his progressions quickly, getting to the right guy, and putting it on them in ways where they can create yards after the catch as well. Like that is terrifying. I said it on the post-game show last night, but I'll say it here again. The Steelers tried what other teams have tried to do to take stuff away and they took away Tyree kill deep. They took away a lot of the deep stuff and that's fine because the chiefs were able to still methodically move the ball. They were still able to do what they needed to do against the pass rush. And I get TJ Watt was limited with some of this rib injury, but against the pass rush with TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith and Cameron Hayward pinning their ears back, trying to beat up on this offensive line. And by and large, they couldn't like, so it wasn't just that Patrick Mahomes was playing in structure. It was that he had time behind that offensive line. It looked terrific. And that, you know, credit to Andrew Wiley once again. Like we are, we are deep into this year with him playing right tackle. And he and the offense and the way that it's structured to help him out as well are giving Patrick Mahomes enough time to do some of this stuff within structure as well as make some of these crazy throws. I mean, I don't I haven't seen anybody talk about the throw that he made early on in the game to Pringle that was an absolutely awesome throw over the middle of the field. Pringle dropped it. I believe maybe the receiver or the defender got his hand in there a little bit as well. I don't know if it was a full drop or whatever, but an absolutely outrageous throw by Mahomes there that was still an in-structure throw. Throwing a guy open, wasn't having to get on the run. It felt in rhythm. It felt right it felt normal it felt like the offense that we all expect every time we turn on a Patrick Mahomes performance so that's great and that should terrify every defense coming up in January in February when they get there as well this should be the scary thing that teams go back and look at 
I think about the throw to McColl, I believe, was also in structure where he kind of dropped his arm angle a little bit mm-hmm. and threw with some touch to lead him out ahead in a tight window on an under route. I mean, those kind of little plays are just, I mean, that's it's special. And I mean, like, I, I think I might have mentioned this on the post game show. I'm not sure. Thoughts run together all the time. But I just remember, like, I, I think to, I think yesterday was just a reminder of the ceiling that that is possessed by this team by this offense that you know they they made us forget for a while you know um they did that without their two best players largely and i know tyreek hill definitely got some attention and all that stuff but at the same time what we saw was was just was 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 just special and it was it was on time it was complete command but it was it, it's like there's a difference between playing with command and playing with freedom. And I think I think we saw more freedom than command from him because there was the confidence and everything going on. I'm looking to hear he didn't have one. He had one pass above uh, 25 yards, one completion. Sorry, above 25 yards for the entirety of the day. And everything else was just to Derek Gore to Derek on the Gore. wheel route that he threw out out of structure. Yeah, yeah out of structure. Yep. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the next longest pass was 22 yards to Byron Pringle. So I we're, looking at two, maybe three passes above 20 yards, depending on if, if Byron Pringle cut another one above 20. But that just that that freedom and command where the ball's out of his hands on time, the ball's where it needs to be, but also having the instincts kind of kick in the way we've kind of come become accustomed to with like the, the circles in the pocket and, and some of the rolling <laughs> out and coming like it looks it looks funky sometimes, but the truth is like that was that was the right instinctual decision to make to navigate that situation. So um it's just so encouraged to see that kind of freedom he's playing with. And it started back in the Chargers game. There's been moments here and there where you thought that's the moment that he kind of snaps out of it. It seems like the guy that we've all expected, the guy that we roll into every game with irrational confidence in. The reason that KC has puffed their chests out the last three years. It's back. And I am just going to be completely unwavering in my belief of what we're going to see for the rest of the year from him and from the offense. Maddie, is there anything on the offensive side of the football outside of just Patrick Mahomes that you really wanted to hit on? I, I think we got to stick with Patrick Mahomes for just a little bit longer here. This was something that was I'm fine with that. on the post game, but he did all that without getting like excessive help. I don't want to say the rest of the offense didn't help him out because they did. And that's where we're going next. But you think back, like, what was the play that a skill guy made that, you know, sets it over the top? We didn't, the Josh Gordon did not come away with some of those 50 50 throws. There was no Tyreek Hill just completely beating somebody downfield and being wide open. You didn't have Travis Kelsey doing Travis Kelsey things. Like, it was essentially just guys doing their job well, but nobody was going above and beyond. So, like, if you're looking at it as a Chiefs fan and wondering, you know, where this gets even better imagine Josh Gordon coming away with one of those two kind of really tough catches that he almost brought in. Imagine if there wasn't a free rusher that stopped that other deep pass where he was wide open working on the corner route to the left and Patrick Mahomes had to throw it out of bounds. Imagine Tyreek Hill running that deep over outside of McCole Hardman and not getting redirected by that soft contact or at least like just like, you know, all these little things. Like if somebody went out and made a play, this looks even better. Like if any of those plays turned around the other way, it looks even better. So there's still room for improvement. And that was the thing with the Chiefs in 2018, 2019, even last year, 2020. No, it was, you could always put your finger on specific spots and say, there's room for improvement there, despite it looking really good. 
that was finally back. Like it wasn't just room for improvement. Now it looked really good and there was room for improvement. It's like, that's where I think you got to start looking ahead, but hell, who else? Byron Pringle, man. Byron Pringle had himself a game. He had that drop early on and Minka Fitzpatrick, I believe it was, did kind of knock it out, but he should have caught it. But man, he had himself a game and it was how they used him. We all, like, I think everybody going to the game was wondering how you're going to replace Travis Kelsey's and Noah Gray. Blake Bell, yes, they did a little bit of it. Byron Pringle got a lot of those tight split slot routes reps that that Travis Kelsey usually gets. He was getting a lot of those routes over other guys, and he made the most out of them. He mm-hmm. looked really good out there in that kind of power slot role that you've seen Travis Kelsey play this year. I do think they kind of foresee him playing in that area. He's mm-hmm. been mostly a slot receiver this year, despite having the best prototype to play on the outside. So I think his role is becoming more clear, and it was nice to see with an uptick in volume, he still was able to cash in. Yeah, and I think you saw it was even after that that drop breakup, whatever it was. It was Patrick Mahomes went back to him a little bit later, and the ball was a little bit behind him, had to go back behind him. You saw him get up and show, you know, Patrick Mahomes, keep feeding me the ball. I'm going to catch it. I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep bringing it in. And Mahomes did. He he trusted him, and he was the go to guy for a lot of the day. Like, yeah, we spent all this time talking about who's going to step up, and when they got Tyree Kill back, it was oh, okay. Well, at least Mahomes can rely on that guy, and he didn't. He relied on the ancillary weapons, these other guys that haven't been the big target monsters. And I'll even throw a guy like Daryl Williams in there with that. He has been a target monster for parts of these seasons. You know, I I really like seeing these guys step up. It makes you feel better because early on in the season, it was Travis Kelsey goes out, Tyreek Hill goes out. What happens to the offense? It's just going to go stagnant. This team can't do anything, and especially against a good pass rush, you needed everybody to be on the same page, be in structure, be in time, you know. And it was like it was like you wouldn't have been able to convince me if I didn't know anything about the players on this team, targets, anything like that, that they were missing guys because it just seemed smooth throughout the day. It seemed ridiculously smooth. Everybody kind of seemed more or less in time. Yeah. There's a couple plays here and there that the offense could have made, that the receivers could have made. But, you know, Mahomes goes 23 for 30 for 8.6 yards per attempt and three touchdowns in a comfortable walkaway victory. I mean, come on. Like, it's hard to expect more than that. So it was really, really awesome to see a guy like Byron Pringle, guy that we've wanted to step up. We all want him to be that guy and really show that he is that guy late in December. Do we... I don't know if there's a coincidence. I don't know if it's a coincidence that a game that it seemed like Patrick Mahomes was playing with complete command, freedom, confidence, that Byron Pringle also seems to have the game that he looks to be playing with freedom and confidence. Like there seemed to be a little bit more uh, instinctual, uh, you know, reactions to Byron Pringle. I think about, you know, that ability to bounce off two guys in the middle of the field where he kind of ducked and prepared for contact, mm-hmm. that contact slipped off oh. him, and then he was able to run through. I, those are some of the things that we really haven't seen a lot of Byron Pringle. I remember last year. I think it, I can't remember what game. I, mean, I think it was the Bills game. That Byron Pringle had. Yeah, it was the Bills playoff game. Yeah, everyone. Yes. And 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 Byron Pringle, had, like he kind of looked like a chicken with his head cut off a couple times where he caught the ball ran the opposite direction of where he needed the space down the sideline. He decided to try to run the ball into the middle of the field. It's kind of like Marcus Robinson running three yards in front of the sticks after catching the ball. Um, it just some, just some, you know, like just 
tentativeness, a little bit of thinking too much. Boy, Mahomes played with freedom, and I think everybody else on that offense played with like with some freedom. It was like a, it was just like a, a there was just an air of calmness, confidence to that team, to that group, to that unit that you don't expect to see, especially with the absence of Kelsey, with Tyreek Hill not being able to do much, and and seeing Byron Pringle kind of carry himself with some championship swagger was, I mean, that's such a positive. Like, I think I'm, I'm modest. I, this is one of those, I might've said it on the post game show. I don't remember, but um, I just, I wonder if this is a big moment for all those secondary weapons too. Like, I wonder if we look back um, after the chiefs, you know, I, I wonder if we look back after the chiefs win the Super Bowl this year and we say that game was big for all the other guys outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kill, who stepped up, who were able to find some confidence, who were able to find themselves a little bit, and that gave them confidence to start making some plays down the stretch, play with more consistency down the stretch. That could be the moment. This could be the game that we kind of see that happening because I felt it felt different across the board. Am I wrong, Maddie? Is this narrative just out of out of left field? Like what like tell me, shoot, shoot some holes in it. You're good at this. Tell me. <laughs> Okay, I don't know if anybody besides Byron Pringle stepped up a ton. I think everybody else kind of mm. filled their similar role that they always had. It was more of the same. You're manufacturing short little touches from a Cole Hardman. You're unable to get stuff going downfield. Josh Gordon looks like he's just a beat off of mm. where he was in his prime, and things just aren't <laughs> connecting. Noah Gray, Blake Bell both had some good moments, but they were moments. It wasn't consistent throughout the game. It still kind of felt to me like the only guy that was consistently showing up, drive in and drive out was Byron Pringle. But I think that's fine. I think that's all you needed was that third guy. I don't think you don't need everybody to be great. Getting a good McCall Hardman game, I do think helps. It's been a while. Like he'd been getting phased out of the rotation for a while. So having this being, you know, a big game, and it still wasn't that big, but having this be a game where he's involved again, where he's out there making plays, where he's providing. I do think that can help his confidence a lot. That can help him play more confidently as the year goes on. Getting Noah Gray reps is going to help. I I think the big one, though, for me, the only other place I want to go, the running back room. Like, where are we at with Clyde Odziller's injury? Like, how do we feel, do we think losing Clyde Odziller matters? Do you think the team loses something, gains something? Where are you at with this, Craig? Oh, man. That's a, whew. That's a tough question right now because, and it's it's less about Clyde who appears to be in the clear. They they said it's swelling. There's not a broken collarbone. Uh, it looks like he will return, which is good because I think when the collarbone happened and he was ruled out, everybody just kind of held their breath a little bit and went, "Oh, that might have been that might have been it." So it's going to be good to get him back when he does come back. But Daryl Williams is my goodness, he plays the best ball of his career right now and then you got Derek Gore who's got some juice and some explosiveness and decisiveness when hitting the hole and he's got some pass catching ability as well so they're actually fairly well insulated for what they like to do again I want to see Clyde more in the passing game still and will continue to beat that drum over and over because I saw what he did at LSU and it baffles me that they don't do it here but that's beside the point what the Chiefs do with their running backs right now. It appears that they will be able to cover for that. Now, that being said, whew, Clyde's touchdown. My goodness. Low man wins. Bouncing off dudes and he's low. getting in the end zone. <laughs> whew, he's low. That was good. I, I do want to take it back just a second here. 
while we're talking about all these secondary weapons, this was arguably the best game of the season for multiple of the secondary weapons. Best game of the season for Byron Pringle, unquestionably. Yeah. Uh, you could argue this is the best game of the season for Derek Gore. He maybe played some the snaps best. that mattered. So he played yeah. some snaps that mattered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe the best game of the season for McCole Hardman as well. Like his touchdown, that's a good stop start to get himself in the end. Like you saw glimpses of these guys putting it together and they put it together all at once. So even though it wasn't like a massive impact for these guys, and that goes back to the running back room as well, even though it was kind of spread out over several guys and there wasn't individuals that stepped up. It seemed like everybody's game was just kind of up another notch, you know, and kind of making up for the fact that Travis Kelsey and Tyree kill weren't as much of a factor in the overall outcome. Uh, I'll, I'll add this with, with regard to Clyde, because I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show. Um, we talked about, we, we were talking about this in the, in the DMs today. I'm writing a little bit about it in the KCSN Substack. Yes. Daryl Williams, Derek Gore, they have their pass catching abilities. I feel like Derek, Derek Gore is more of a Daryl Williams in the passing game capable of operating some of the basic functions, but it did seem like they were starting to build up Clyde a little bit in his usage out of the backfield, his usage in the passing game, because, you know, one of the things that they've, they've done a couple times here the last few weeks is they motion, you know, they'll, they'll set up an empty and Clyde will be out and empty. They'll motion him. Like they're going into the backfield, which they do all the time. But now they're kind of running this little stack motion at the, you know, you know, with the, with the receiver in the slot, the running back pops in behind them and they're running a lot of like smash concepts out of it. You know, Clyde's running a quick out out of that and they're running a corner, you know, high, low in a corner or whatever. So, um, I think there was, I mean, you're not, you're not tricking anybody with Daryl Williams on that. Um, and so I just, I, that's one thing I do think about is, you know, they, I think they might have been starting to build towards some more Clyde passing game stuff. And now it could be another week where we, you know, don't get a chance for, for them to build on that a little bit more. But the I, question will, is, I will say this. Oh, yeah, yeah we, we did this last year with Clyde too. Every and, I mean, every, every, every game. It, it's been injuries at the end of the year. It's not like it's not like he's not executed. It's been injuries now at the end of the year. So I hope that they're going to get him back and be able to integrate those concepts. Go, go well, ahead. The question, no, the question is just like, but how much do you miss that if you're the Chiefs? Like right now, I think yeah. we're talking about them maybe building to it being something, but does it matter right. that you're missing it right now? Because I would argue that while Clyde Odzulaire might be a more talented receiver, Daryl Williams has been a better receiver for the Chiefs. Uh, Daryl Williams, to me, doesn't do a lot exceptionally well. Like he's not elite at anything, but the one thing I will say he's elite at is – gathering the football on a pass and turning up field in one motion. He does that better than just about anybody. I mean, Travis Kelsey is going to be like the best, the goat at this forever, but Daryl Williams might be right there behind him. His ability to adjust on these little swing routes, turn and be upfield instantly is phenomenal. And you see how many times he catches these quick passes in the flat and turn up field and go pick up positive yard. Clyde doesn't even get those opportunities. He's not out there. So whether it's not knowing when he's split, shooting out to the flat versus when he's picking up a blitzer, I don't know what the gap gap there is, but Daryl Williams is a lot more involved in the quick relief throws to the flat than Clyde's ever been. I agree Clyde's a better receiver, but I just don't know if the Chiefs are missing him. In the passing game, then the rushing game, I just want to add, he had the lowest yards per carry out of any Chiefs running back. 
but it was lower than Gore. It was lower than Darrell Williams. Now, he also ran seven seven zone runs, according to Pro Football Focus. The other guys had a very even split of gap and zone, and I, we all know the Chiefs are better at gap. It's just, I yeah. don't know how much the Chiefs miss Clyde. Watching him, my eyes tell me he's the best running back on the team, bar none. Like, it's not even close watching him move and watching Williams and Gore move. He's a better mover, a better football player. But the usage, the production on the it keeps coming back saying Gore and Daryl Williams can do just as much, if not more in this situation right now. So it's just, I don't know if the chiefs are going to miss him despite me thinking he's the better player. Now, before uh, we move off of the offense real quick here, I do want to point out Daryl Williams has twice the targets that Clyde Edwards has twice. Now Clyde has missed five games that Daryl Williams has gotten to play in, but twice the targets that's whoo. That's a lot. That doesn't make up for it. So it, 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 the Chiefs obviously feel that way about using him in the past game as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's talk about the defense. I think, you know, we, we've got we got a lot of time here unpacking the offense. And my God, that defense was dominant too. Mm. I mean, and it's just like what we've come to expect. But like that was just an, a complete, over, like I think you used the word overwhelming, Craig. Like I think that's the word you used on the, it's so appropriate. Because they just completely overwhelmed that Steelers offense. It was a complete joy to watch. It was a dominant performance, every level of the defense. Yeah. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo put Matt Canada in the Steiner recliner uh, for, <laughs> for four quarters, man. Like, this was, my goodness. It, it, was, uh, it was a perfect matchup for what Steve Spagnuolo wants to do, the types of players that he has, and the execution. It, it just all kind of melded into this thing where – the Steelers, while the starters were in, threw for 3.6 yards per <laughs> attempt. 3.6 wow. yards through the air. They were actually a slight bit more efficient 
running the ball than throwing it, which, I mean, we make that joke all the time about Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers' offense, but to see it actually come to fruition, because it doesn't always, to see it come to fruition speaks volumes about what the Chiefs were able to do. Now, that's not because the Chiefs were really gaining a ton of pressure on Ben Roethlisberger because he didn't hold the ball. He threw it in 2.4 seconds on average against this Chiefs defense, which is the longest that he's held the ball in four weeks, but still the league lowest time to throw. The Chiefs weren't able to blitz because of that, because you're leaving somebody open. They weren't able to get home with four because of that. So they were relying on their secondary to step up and do the job. And they did. And then in the run game, they won on early downs with their linebackers playing really well. Willie Gay took a lot of throwing lanes away as well. This was just an overall excellent performance by the defense, a suffocating performance by the defense. You didn't feel like the Steelers were going to move the ball at any point while this was while this was even remotely a game. Like you, you just kind of knew that when Ben Roethlisberger was going to take the field, it was maybe going to be a first down. It was more than likely going to be a three and out, and the Chiefs are going to get the ball back and go down and score. Or it was going to be a turnover, and it was until the fourth quarter. So it was awesome to watch. It was really good to see them put a bad team in their place, and they were able to do it with everybody on defense. It wasn't just a singular person. Everybody on defense doing their job. I mean, you know who else knew the Steelers weren't going to be able to move the ball? Matt Canada and the Steelers, because their very <laughs> second drive, the first play was a shot play they called up. But instead of going play action and letting Ben Roethlisberger turn his back, they didn't do that. I mean, what? He can't do it. He can't move. But instead of even letting call a real play action pass, they called a flea flicker. So he could see everybody <laughs> coming the entire time, and he still threw up a YOLO ball that got intercepted. They knew after the first drive they had no chance and they were going to have to manufacture some random offense. They needed to take a shot play to pick up chunk yards, and they had to go to a flea flicker immediately. They I – mean, Matt Can- the bat Canada experience for the Steelers has been terrible. Like, it's not working. We- ben Roethlisberger is not playing good. He can't throw. He can't move. But Matt Canada has been just as bad. They have nothing to provide a defense to, like, push back at all. They have their very one trick. It was this – the only thing that they did well offensively was get one broken Najee Harris run off the right side there. And, like, outside of that, like, and the Chase Claypool great catches, like, that was it, though. Like, it's stuff that you can't repeat, and that's been their offense all year – and then you just get this Chiefs buzzsaw of a defense right now where everything's <laughs> clicking. You got Charvarius Ward. I mean, he's been really good this year, but we've made jokes about the sphere. His ball skills, his ability to play the football throughout his career have been bad. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat. There's no reason to not say it. He's been very bad at playing the football. He comes up with a one-handed interception in this game. Like It was like a, it was like a high point, and then the presence of mind to like – one hand the the way down just to keep awesome. it away from the receiver. Absolutely was, awesome. Yeah. Ex- excellent. It, yeah, no, it was. And like, you know, I, I could defend it and say like, oh, well, he because because he didn't have to, you know, it wasn't behind him. He didn't have to track it over his shoulder, but he's done that this year. Like, I'm no, I, mm-hmm. I'm saying he's done that this year, mm-hmm. but like the fact that that's turned around this year. Legereus team got targeted like 800 times. And I do think Dumb. in the second half, they found a way to get some success on some speed outs, making him work through traffic. Like, I don't care about the final numbers. The beginning of that game, he was destroying everything that they did that first half, whether it was screens, runs to his side. He had the pass breakup on third down. Watching him crash into a tight end and offensive lineman so Melvin Ingram could stunt around him 
and go corral that fourth down run was amazing. Like everybody's playing so well. And then the Steelers offense who literally can't do anything comes into town and they do nothing and they know it from the get go. The Chiefs defense knows it. They're trotting out the rotate the heavy rotation. Like by the third defensive series, they are deep into this roster. It's like it was fun. But it goes back to the Patrick Mahomes thing. It was relatively boring because this wasn't the most exotic Steve Spagnuolo game you're going to get. It wasn't like he was throwing blitzes out there left and right. The pass rush wasn't winning fast enough because Ben was getting rid of the ball super quick. Like nothing was overly exciting. It was just consistent domination from start to finish from this defense. And it's like it's almost come to expect at this point in time from this unit. Yeah, like they're normalizing exceptional football, um, which – I, yeah, I can't believe that's where we're at this year. Like, it's still a little bit stunning. I will say some of the most fun things I saw last week was or against the Steelers yesterday was, like, the edge plays, the edge runs that the Steelers try to live on, especially with the passing game. But, like, it, like trying to run on the edge was hilarious. Like, you talk about that <laughs> Melvin Ingram game. Like, the Chiefs were just over – like, the overwhelming nature of just, like, the speed, the Chiefs' speed was just noticeably different than the Steelers' And they were out there on the edge, just like sniffing stuff out. Like Najee Harris on that fourth and one lost three yards. So like I think like that was just a really fun like to see the athleticism. I think we talked about you know you know Legarius Sneed big factor there. Willie Gay big factor there. Those are two guys with with a, like kind of athleticism pursuit that are able to make some plays at the line of scrimmage. Dare I say behind the line of scrimmage sometimes. Hmm. One narrative, though, I want to pull out of this, and I want to talk to you guys about. I'm pretty sure I just jinxed it, and I'm pretty sure this is going to change a little bit against the Bengals because the Bengals are just that good. But like this team, it does like the explosive plays that this team gives up are very minimal, and it has been for this entire stretch that we've seen from this team putting things together on the defensive side of the football. You know, the 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 turnaround. One of the big things with the turnaround, besides turning the ball over, is we really haven't seen them, you know, team to be able to generate a lot of explosive plays on this group. Um, I don't know the last time we saw a 50 yard plus play against the chiefs in a situation that mattered, you know, maybe, maybe some second team guys. I don't know. I, maybe there was a big play against the chargers in, in that game. Like against, would you, would you like to know? I would love to, <laughs> I would just love to know how many plays over, let's call it 25 yards we've seen in the last eight eight weeks or so like i mean like if you have that i mean like it just doesn't seem like we've seen a lot of explosive plays generated sure um man yeah it's it's been a while here the giants had a 53 yarder tennessee had a 46 yarder but i mean you've got it you gotta scroll a little ways at vegas uh the week 10 game there was a 40 yarder that the Chiefs punched out of Deshaun Jackson's yeah. hands. I mean, like, so even when they do that, like, Vegas had another 37-yard TD late in that game. But, yeah, it, it's not been consistent. Probably the biggest one was at the end of the half against Denver. It was a 35-yard pass play. That's That's probably the most recent one that we've seen here. Chargers hit a big one for 29, you know, a couple weeks ago. but. Like it, it's few and far between. I'm no, that's, scrolling that's through not here. A lot. And it's all that's, early season. So, <laughs> yeah, the fact that we're having to find, like, work so hard to find some of these explosive plays is the point. That's yeah. not normal. That's rare. That's special. That's what's. I think that's been one of the big catalysts for this defensive success. I, I can't. I mean, 
I don't know, man. I, I, sorry, I just think narratively that's very fascinating. Bengals could change that very quickly, but oh, absolutely. Like yeah, that's they, not like that's not yeah. normal. Yeah, they. they I, I think after that. the beginning of the year, they Steve Spagnuolo transitioned heavily to two deep safeties. Like they really have, mm-hmm. and I think you've seen a little bit of that. The negative side of that is you haven't seen them produce a ton of turnovers, like in terms of interceptions. It's guys don't have not getting as many hands on the balls over the middle of the field as you maybe have seen in the past. You know. Tyron Matthews' first year here, he had like four interceptions and like four to five more dropped interceptions. And they were like all over the middle of the field. Last year, he had six. Juan Thornhill was getting in on some of these. This year, it's a little bit lower. And it's just, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, you can see like playing so much too high this year has resulted in a little bit less guys floating around the middle of the field, but you've limited those deep plays. And what you've gotten out of it too is you have quarterbacks that feel more comfortable pressing these receivers, getting physical receivers riding them up the boundary, knowing that if this guy beats him inside a little bit, there is going to be help back there. You have these safeties that are topping. So they're essentially playing the defense that everybody's played against them and trying to stop teams from putting up these big explosive plays. And then they're tackling really well out in the open field. Like that's the big one. Mm-hmm. You're not having guys miss tackles like the Chiefs team, I mean, let's be honest, has frequently in the past. They have not always been a great tackling or swarming to the ball team. That's a little different this year. You set that up with that too high structure that's protecting you a little bit from the explosive plays. And like you're getting that. You're making teams drive all the way down the football field. And then you sprinkle in the athleticism of Willie Gay and Legereus Sneed. Then you drop in this defensive line that, yeah, these last two weeks maybe haven't been as dominant as the stretch before that, but they're healthy again. This four-man pass rush, if you're just going to sit there and not try to take the short stuff over the middle of the field, they're going to get to the quarterback. So like just all the parts are just kind of married together at this point in time. Yeah. And I mean, the goal for Steve Spagnolo is always to keep a lid on things. Like that's what it is. He wants to limit explosive plays. He wants to keep everything underneath and he wants to drive on everything. We talk about how maybe not having, you know, Tyron Matthew in sort of that lurk role or that robber role in the middle of the field as often has not led to a bunch of turnovers for him. But guess what? We're still turning the ball over at a good clip on defense. So, I mean, it, it, it has worked out for this defense in a positive way to kind of sit on everything. And this is Steve Spagnolo once again. We are in year, you know, 3 of Spagnolo showing up, starting the season, having offenses come in and say, "Okay, well we know how we're going to attack Spags." And then watching him adapt his game and step up at the end of the year and just fix it. Like this is unheard of this year three now that they're not just going back to stuff that they did before or trying to have stuff that they you know typically do and you know mixing in their bread and butter or whatever this is steve spagnolo adapting his game plan to come in and beat what the opposition is trying to hit him with and that's phenomenal i mean when you have somebody that can come in and play that way and adapt that way you have a winning formula there. And you guys are going to have to adapt to the fact that you got a Macadoodles coming to Kansas City, the Kansas City area, in summer of 2022. You need to get over there. As soon as this thing opens in Lee's Summit, get out there, get your alcohol, have them suggest what you want because they're going to nail it first time, every time, and the selection and pricing is going to be spot on so we know that everybody's going to flow flood to that area but if you're a franchisee and you want to add another one to this area or another area outside the kansas city area send an email to roger at info at 
get one to your area to, and get your customer base to adapt to what's best for them. You, know, you talked about, you know, Spagnuolo year three. And I just remember early in the year when Chief Fence was having their struggles and we had the conversation here on this show. We said, you know, we're looking at the veterans on this team and we're saying, this is year three. These are veterans that have been here for three years. These kind of mistakes shouldn't be happening. Well, that this is what we we thought we were getting with a veteran group, a talented group that was going to be here for you know that that's been here, that's been able to, you know, be a part of of C Spagnolo's system, that's been able to listen to C Spagnolo, that, that they've been through trial by fire, they've been able to you know make in game adjustments and all this stuff. This is the manifestation of what we thought we were getting with the veteran unit, um, and and that's that's I mean that's good to see, and it's you know maybe. Boy, early the early season was just it feels like a long time ago. It was disgusting, it was gross. There were so many things, and this this team has been so disjointed for the majority of the season. It's great to finally see them um kind of both sides of the football married a lot better. Speaking of married, uh, if you are looking to get engaged anytime soon and you're you're looking to to buy an engagement ring for your significant other, if you don't start at Ruback Fine Jewelry in Kansas City, you're making a massive mistake. Trust me when I say you will be blown away by the experience that you get if you go and talk to how he's the owner at Ruback Fine Jewelry. You go online, you set an appointment with him, you're going to get his full attention. He's going to sit down. He'll talk to you about the process as much as you want. Like he'll, he'll tell you a lot. He'll educate you on the ring buying process, the important things you need to know. I mean, and and you'll get to see kind of firsthand why you go to a big box store. You're not going to get the same kind of experience. You're not going to get the same quality ring that you're going to be able to get from how, because how, how has been able to, to kind of build his business allows him to, you know, pass some savings on to you as the consumer. And, you know, he's going to talk to you. uh, You're going to set a budget with him. He's not going to try to push you too far beyond that budget. He's not going to push you at all. He's going to stay within what you asked him to stay within. He's going to give you something you're happy with and something your significant other will be happy with too. So go to ruback.co and and set an appointment with Hal. You get his undivided attention. It'll be a wonderful experience. Please, if you are looking for a ring, make sure that you're talking to him and not just going to one of these big box stores. All right. I think it's time for helmet stickers, butt slaps, bottles of vodka. Is that okay, Maddie? Or do you want to interrupt me really quick? Um, we want to talk about the defensive turnaround here uh, from the beginning of the year. Here's a very arbitrary but fun stat for you. Since Willie Gay, in games that Willie Gay has played over 50% of the snaps, the Chiefs have given up over 20 points exactly one time, and that was wow. the Titans game, which was the first game that he played over 50% of the stats snaps. Now, like I said, it's arbitrary because against Buffalo, played 44%, but still, we're counting it. Willie Gay, the entire reason this Chiefs defense turned it around, doesn't matter about the veterans. Nobody else mattered. It's all about Willie Gay playing over exactly 50% of the snaps, and you won't score more than 20 points against the Chiefs. Hashtag analytics. This is like Jonathan Taylor rushing for 100 yards for the Colts and how they're undefeated. So as soon as they hit the 100-yard mark, they stop the game, they end it right there, and award the win to the Colts, right? That's how it goes. What happens if Jonathan Taylor, or what happens if the Colts play the Chiefs and Taylor goes over 100 yards on the same play that Willie Gay crosses what's going to be the 50th, you know, the snap down that's going to play 50%? <laughs> like, what, you, what happens? You, you remember in the Batman movies where Bane blows up the stadium? Like, that's that's what starts to happen. Like, it just starts to all fall apart. Poor Arrowhead. Yikes. 
All right. I'm going to give a helmet sticker to the entire offensive line. We went the whole show without talking to him. I don't think it was a perfect performance across the board by any stretch of the word, but I think the short yardage plays were very good up front. Um, I think they did a pretty good job with the run blocking. Good job protecting Patrick Mahomes. It seems like offensive line and quarterback are getting more and more connected week over week. Uh, so helmet sticker to the offensive line. Also Creed is good. Um, butt slap to Tershawn Wharton, who looked like he got a big one as he hopped over the <laughs> line of scrimmage to force the field goal, the Steelers to miss the field goal. And then he also had a really good game on defense, like that play, which probably should have been a penalty, um, forced the missed field goal. And it was very fun to watch. Then on the defensive side, he had a lot of pressures. I think he led the Chiefs in pressures this week. Now, a lot of those were kind of coming in garbage time, but still, he had a lot of energy. He was out there. He was playing well. So it was nice to see him just, get, you know, come out and have a big game. And like I said, I really liked watching him as a not super tall guy leap over the, you know, all the the blockers on the field goal attempt. I thought that was fun. Yeah, Turk Wharton finally somebody got to rush the passer because a quarterback held the ball longer than two point <laughs> four seconds. Yeah, as and the they Steelers were going to made that up. game last longer. Yeah. What like, are you come doing? On, man, what is it? Man. <laughs> Get Canada all the way out of here. No, um, my whole coach, ass bottle of vodka is actually <laughs> uh, my whole ass bottle of vodka is going to two guys here, and it's two guys that I want you to ask yourself as Chiefs fans: When was the last time you were legitimately mad at Dan Sorensen or Ben Neiman for something that they did on the field? Because I guarantee it's been a long time. Yeah, you could you can find individual plays where you wish they were maybe just a little bit better here and there. But by and large, both of those guys have played really well. Ben Neiman, especially this week. Ben Neiman was a blanket on Najee Harris in the dime. Like, he was. And that's a, that's a role that we have talked about time and time again as being problematic. So we're highlighting him. You know, when we talk about the defense, do it with Mike and DJ. We're, we're highlighting him stacking and shedding blockers in the run game and playing well on that front now all of a sudden we're getting him playing well in coverage as well like that's that's great and then we know that dan Sorensen has really upped his game since he moved back into more of a more limited role and is able to be put in the dime where he's at his most successful so i just i want to give those two guys had a good game both of them not necessarily a wow performance but I just want to remind people where we were mm -hmm. and now where we are. So think about the last time you were mad at those two guys and how that's affected the defensive performance. Just awesome to watch. And the good news for Ben Neiman is that Dan Sorensen isn't going to touch that bottle of vodka. That's going to do it for the KC Laboratory Live Show. Thank, Why is you. That, Kent? Thank you so much for listening, watching, consuming this. Please hit the subscribe button on YouTube if you're watching this, if you haven't already. Please subscribe. Uh, leave a five-star review anywhere that you consume our podcast. They help. We appreciate you and all your help in making KCSN what it's been in 2021. We are so grateful for you, and we will catch you later. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.